Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm Lynn Wilder. And I'm Joel Grote. And we're kind of in part two of our international ministry segment. Both Lynn and I have had the opportunity to travel overseas, um, experience the Christian church in a lot of different ways, experience the LDS church overseas. In fact, mm-hmm. last week I shared a story about being grabbed and um, almost beaten up by uh, LDS uh, temple president <laughs> when I was in Guayaquil, Ecuador. Um, you'll have to watch, you have to listen to the episode. It ended well. It, en- it ended well. Um, and today, Lynn, you said when we were closing last time that you had um, your own experiences. And so I wanted to start today with you talking about that. Well, when you told your story of being confronted, I've only had one face-to-face confrontation with um, security, with Mormon church security. And it was a few years ago, I took two tiny grandkids to Temple Square. Mike and I took like a one-year-old and a four-year-old to see Santa and Buddy the Elf. So the Mormonism Research Ministry, MRM.org, every Christmas with the big lighting and stuff that they do down at Temple Square, they allow people to have their picture taken with Buddy the Elf and Santa, and then they give out Christian tracts right kind of like what you were doing at the temple so a positive way of interacting with mormons but getting information to them right right well mike and i took our tiny grandkids down to see the lights and to see buddy and santa the elf and security church started screaming at us in fact i videotaped it on my phone i taped it on my phone but they were screaming you are on church property you cannot be on church property we don't want you on church property and i'm thinking okay so cameras through cameras somebody recognized me and they don't want me on church property um, and I've got these tiny kids who are scared. They're just, oh, man. you know, just hysterical. Wow. The kids are so afraid of these big men yelling at us in uniform, you know. But the elf, yep. though, said they'd been in that spot for years. They'd been on okay. Temple Square doing the same thing in the same place for years. And no one had ever right. bothered them before. Well, when we got driven out... Santa and Buddy found another place that apparently wasn't on church property, but was near Temple Square. Okay. And Eric Johnson told who, I can't remember if he was that or Buddy, I think it was Buddy, told me that um, they had more Mormons come to them and they were able to give out more tracts than they ever had before. So Christians see those kind of what Mormons see as negative experiences or, ooh, I don't want that, right? I don't want want Christians allow those things to happen sometimes without being in people's faces on purpose. 
because God often has a purpose for that, or he'll turn it to good, which is what he promises us, right? right. That when we're in Christ, that we're probably going to get some persecution, and the Bible says they they don't like me, and when I live in you, they're not going to like you either, and so right. there might be some persecution. Now, let me tell you what it was like to be a Mormon, though, at the Palmyra pageant, we went often because we lived in the Midwest and we went to the yeah. Nauvoo pageant okay. yep. every year. And there were always Christians there trying to converse with us and handing yes. out literature. Yep. Um, as a Mormon, I saw them as aggressive. I couldn't in a 10 second conversation there just was not enough time typically to establish a relationship right right exactly so comfortable with that i really saw it as a persecution so now that i'm on the other side <laughs> many times people have come to our ministries and said will you go to the temple openings right and hand out mm -hmm. literature will you go to palmyra will you go to nauvoo with us in fact i'm thinking it must have been steve dealey <laughs> Um, from the Christian ministry in yeah. uh, Nauvoo there, who probably was handing out the literature all those years ago. We know very well that God raises up certain ministries for certain purposes at certain right. times. And, and certainly at the Manti pageant, you know, if you watch what goes on online, some really good conversations. Tend right. To and I've been, in, I've been at, at Manti a number of years and even done some teaching. And that's why any of the teams that I've taken, I've always tried to say, this is more about trying, even if it's just walking, it's more about trying to establish a relationship with the LDS mm -hmm. people there. Your mm -hmm. only agenda is to get to know them. And if God opens the doors through conversation and interaction for you to share or to give out something. Now the last, um, the last year of the pageant, what we did is we did a survey based on the fact that it was going to be the last year of the pageant we just asked people have you been here before how many times and stuff about them and then the survey kind of guides you down through and toward the end there was a question about well how sure are you as lds of making it to exaltation like on a scale of one to ten what's your what's your assurance level and based on what they said they could continue the conversation from there and some mm -hmm. people did but at the very least, it was just a way of engaging them about something they were interested in. Because, you know, I agree. I think I've said before, I'm not a big fan of drive-by evangelism. Mm -hmm. um, and But like you say, for some people that works. And there are plenty of stories of people who, in a 30-second encounter that almost seemed aggressive, God used that to trigger something, to trigger some thoughts. And so I'm not about to tell another Christian how they should or shouldn't share their faith. But... I think both of our ministries have more moved toward the relational side just because we've been geared toward more direct engagement relationally mm -hmm. with LDS people and with people in performance-based religions because we want them to see a broader perspective. And I think that's what the international ministry has been so good. You mentioned Steve Dealey mm -hmm. um, in Madrid. Steve was one of the team in Madrid and he and I got asked to get into the police car that came by when we were on the street so they could have a chat with us. It turned out that there was a fairly high up Mormon in the police force. 
And so they were constantly sending people by to say, you can't do this. You can't be talking to people on the street. You can't be handing out literature. And actually we weren't leafleting because in Madrid, it is illegal to leaflet. You can't like drive through the street and just like throw leaflets out into the air because it's huge littering. But if you're in a conversation with someone and you have something and they want it, you can give it to them. And so that's what we're, but anyway, yeah. So Steve's with me and this car drives up and it's a police car and they say, get in the car. And we're like, why? And Steve's like really wide eyed. And I'm translating for him while I'm talking to the police officers. Said, are we under arrest? Well, no, you're not under arrest. We just want to talk to you. I said, so do we have the option of not going? Like, well, we really need to talk to you. You're not under arrest, but we'd really appreciate it if you would come along with us to the police station just so we can talk. And I'm like, I'm explaining to Steve. I was like, okay, they don't seem hostile. You know, it is the police. We're... So we got in the car. They drove us several blocks away. But when they got to the police station, instead of going like up to the main level where the doors were, they drove around the back and down underneath into the parking garage. And they got mm -hmm. us into this nearly empty parking garage. And they said, okay, get out of the car. And we're both like, um, and Steve's eyes are just wide because he doesn't, and so we said, okay, so we get out of the car and they just got out and kind of leaned in the car and said, okay, here's the deal, guys. We're getting some heat from higher ups. They don't like what you're doing. What we want you to do is just move your operation like a mile or so away from the temple, like more toward downtown. And just go ahead and do what you're doing there because we know you're not doing anything illegally. It's totally acceptable. You guys are being respectful. Everything's great. But we want you to consider that. It will make our lives easier. And we were like, no, we can't. We need to be right here. We need to be within a few blocks. This is where people want the information. I'm like, are you sure? It's like, yeah. I said, are we doing anything illegal? No, you're not doing anything illegal. Mm. Okay, well, if we're not doing anything illegal, we're sorry if it's causing a disruption for you guys. We will be polite. We'll be respectful. But no, we really need to stay. I'm like, oh. okay, well, all we could really do is ask. So, okay, get back in the car. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was wild. Since we've talked about Steve, we should probably link to his ministry. I don't okay. Know I guess I could talk a little it was actually Brigham Young University and the Mormon Church who has a relationship with China. Okay. And I worked in the College of Education at Brigham Young. And um, the Ministry of Education, the Ministry of Education in China has a relationship, at, at least at the time, with the dean and okay. several professors there at the College of Education. And we used to go to Beijing and they used to pay our way, the Ministry of Education in China, so that we would do a week-long conference for the 400 best teachers in China. So every year, wow. China would go through the entire country and choose the 400 best teachers and then pay for them to come into Beijing for a week. And Brigham Young professors went as part of that conference and taught Oh my goodness, that was an experience, Joel. My uh, doctor's in emotional disorders. And so as I'm speaking, there are party members from the Chinese party okay. making sure that what we're saying is 
things that, <laughs> that people can hear. Otherwise, they're going to stop us. Right? Yes. And so I was talking about a recent study, you know, in China, for a lot of years, you could only have one child. And so everybody wanted a male because they needed somebody who could work because right. they had to support not just their family, but the wife's parents and, and the man's parents, right? Yeah, exactly. So they would literally leave girl babies to die in the hospital. So now you've got all these males and they're competing like crazy. Yes. With tests to get certain jobs and whatever. And it was really something. So what happened was all these males, when they became teenagers, some of them would not pass some of the tests that they needed in order to get a job so they could support a family, whatever. And some of them were just saying, I don't care. And so there became this cadre of almost gang-like, you know, folks who had kind of dropped out the system and out of the culture. And this is all under the umbrella of emotional behavioral disorders, which right. is my area. And so I'm talking about this study and a... <laughs> Someone from the Chinese Communist Party is screaming at me, right? I cannot oh say that. I cannot show that visual. I cannot talk about that. That's not true. And I'm thinking, ah, I might end up in prison here. <laughs> um, so I, I switched gears. But um, I did a similar thing in Russia one time. I was invited to speak to some sociologists in Russia. And do you know that the divorce rate is something like 90% in Russia? No. I had no idea. So wow. again, my area is emotional behavioral disorders. And I'm right. talking about how broken families play into troubles with youth, right? Yes. And they're telling me, no, oh, we're all divorced. Um, it's not a problem for us. In our culture, it's part of what the way it is, right? So in both of those countries, you have the atheist communist underpinnings yes. with very different moral beliefs. Um, so church in Russia is orthodox, very yes. legalistic. Mm -hmm. In fact, um, our son did his Mormon mission there. And he took us into a Russian Orthodox church one time and they're screaming at us to pay. We're watching a, an infant baptism and um, they're screaming at us that we have to pay in order to do that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so lots of legalism, lots of candles, you know, lots of tradition. Yes. Um, ha had to wear a scarf when I went in, that, that kind of thing. But Christianity in Eastern Europe is very similar. You have um, Greek Orthodox, you know, in yes. Eastern Europe, and then you have Russian Orthodox in Russia. There are quite a few similarities between that and Mormonism, actually, right? Because, yes. because of the legalisms, all right. of the must-dos, can't-dos, you'll be better if, you'll please God if, he'll punish you if, right? right? That's very similar. That's performance-based religion. Exactly. And there's also a whole priesthood hierarchy yes. where the authority is very much a top-down authority. And believers are subject to that human authority. They have to follow. I, I was exposed to orthodoxy when I was in Romania and visited a couple of um, Eastern Orthodox churches, I believe it was, and mm -hmm. just had, you know, Christians, evangelical Christians talk about 
how captive people were within that system and how locked in and, you know, even how oppressed they were just because of that, because it was so legalistic and that the gospel of grace was a threat to the orthodox system because then once people found christ and realized that their salvation was in christ and the relationship was to god directly through jesus and they didn't need the orthodox priest anymore they you would might stop not going. need that infant baptism you and you had to pay, pay for, for everything that. you did mm -hmm. right. yes everything mm -hmm. a priest did for you you had to pay for so yes it's fascinating to look at all the different faces performance-based religion can take and how very often when the gospel of grace comes on the scene it's a threat it's perceived as a threat to whatever the performance-based religion is and i know we talk a lot about the lds church just because of your background when we're talking about this but just to say this is not something unique so to some of our listeners who may not be mormon and but they've heard so much in a mormon context just to say to them this is not something unique to Mormonism. This is all over in legalistic religions. And very often the people within the systems can't see it themselves. And so... So Pew did a study a few years ago asking Christians in the United States of America how many believed they were saved by grace and how okay. many thought they had to do works in order to please God, in order to be saved. And I was blown away by the numbers. The majority of Christians, even in the United States, felt like they had to do things in order to please God so that he might save them. That is the same as Mormonism, and that is the same as Islam. And that is not what the New Testament teaches. We're under the New Testament of grace. Um, right. The only directives we are given is to love God with all your heart, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. We're supposed to do things like take care of widows and orphans and feed the hungry and, and visit people in prison and, um, and, and love and forgive. Um, and all of those boxes that you think you have to tick are things that were created by man right um, in performance-based religion and the thing is within the new covenant of grace the whole point is that when you receive forgiveness of sins when you come to jesus you accept the gift of grace for your salvation for your forgiveness for your reconciliation to god now the holy spirit comes and dwells in you permanently and the Holy Spirit prompts you to do those things out of gratitude. And so Christians don't do any less good works, at least they shouldn't be. They should be concerned from the inside out for the oppressed, for okay. people in need. And Every Mormon I've ever worked with struggles with this. And I can tell you it took me two years to figure out what you just said quickly. So. I I want to camp on this <laughs> sure, just go for ahead. a minute. Mormons always go to James 2, the second chapter of James, right? right. Where uh, it says some, what faith without works, works is, is dead. dead. Yeah, James 2, 8 and 9, I think. Well, James was the brother of Christ, correct? Yes. And he was a church leader in Jerusalem. 
and he's talking to believers and he's right. scolding the believers. Why is he scolding the believers? Because he's saying to them, faith without works is dead. You tell me you've given your life to Jesus. You tell me you have faith in Christ, but there's no evidence. Yep, You're no not fruit. taking care of the widows. You're not taking in the orphans. You're not feeding the poor. You're right. not telling other people about Jesus. Um, there is no evidence. So he's talking about that first, if there's been salvation and the Holy right. Spirit of, of the living Christ is in you, there should be Christian fruit. And if there's not Christian fruit, I have to doubt whether there's been a real salvation because I'm seeing hypocrisy. Basically right. that's what James is talking about there. He's talking to believers who are not acting like yeah. believers, but he's not saying I'm requiring these works so that God might be pleased with you so that you might be saved. That, that is Mormonism. That's not the new Testament gospel. Right. right. And that's why really there isn't any disagreement between James and Paul. When you understand who James is talking to in his audience, and you know there's issues just like that, because when you go earlier in James, that's where he talks about, you know, you ask and you don't receive, but you're asking because you want to consume it for yourself. You guys are selfish. There's infighting. You know, you're hating, killing, you know, each other because you're so consumed with what you want for yourself. And the Christian life of grace is not about that. It's about an outward focus on other people. And that's where the whole... You know, and so if you say you have faith, wow, then you had better have the evidence in your life of that faith because maybe you don't have a true living faith. Because if you do have a true living faith, it's going to show up in how you live your life and how you love God with all your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength and how you love your neighbor as yourself. So, so wow. I can tell you how my works changed. The way that I viewed works Okay. From being Mormon to being Christian, huge paradigm shift, right? Being Mormon, I was always doing things that the church told me to do because yes. they supposedly had the authority from God to tell me what was right and what was right. wrong. So I was constantly trying to please the church so that I might please Jesus so that he might want to save me someday, right? Yes. <laughs> no. Once once I gave my life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit set up life in me, God started bringing the works. He started bringing the people. He started bringing the opportunities. He started opening the doors. I now realized that he saved me for a purpose, right? And that yes. it wasn't my thing to tick off boxes. He literally had a plan for why he saved me the way he saved me how when I was he at saved BYU, you yes. when he saved me all of that and that all i really needed to do was rest in jesus and that he would bring the opportunities and that i needed to step into them as a christian and to be a bold witness of him um very different way of looking at things yeah and we just encourage you um as a podcast listener we're pretty much to the end of this episode so thanks then for sharing. But just to those of our podcast listeners, just want to let you know 
you can reach Lynn or myself through our podcast website, which is unveilinggracepodcast.com. Uh, it's a pretty straightforward website. You can write to Lynn. You can write to me. If you have questions, if this has triggered anything, if any of our podcast episodes ever prompt a thought and you just want to write us and let us know or you want to ask a follow-up question, please do that. We are happy. We make sure and read um, every single message that gets sent. And if you know people who might be helped by some of these podcast episodes, by what you've heard us share, then by all means, feel free to share this. Um, on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, wherever um, you can. We encourage people to share. The podcast is absolutely free. Uh, you can subscribe to it on Spotify or iTunes. So, man, we're just so delighted to have you as a listener or a viewer because we really are hoping to have uh, some of these up on our uh, video tab, video channel on the website. So, well, thank you, Lynn. Uh, really exciting, encouraging stories. And yeah, thank you for just the clarification for our performance-based religious friends who may be going, wow, I may need to look into this more. We would encourage you to do that. We would encourage you to go to the New Testament, learn more about the new covenant of grace and the freedom that is there. And not the freedom to do nothing it's the freedom to do so much with the help of the Holy Spirit of God and truly make an impact. Because like Lynn said, God does have a dream and a plan for your life that only you can fulfill. And he wants to walk with you to do that in the freedom of grace. And not through an organization, but no. through a personal relationship. Very different. So maybe we'll address that next time. <laughs> grace and peace. Thank you. So long. Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. For a limited time, we are offering the Wilder's book, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, for a donation of any amount. Go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free book button to request yours. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals. Mm -hmm.